are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? I We're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 358, a.k.a. Year 8, Week 3, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. Oh, and a whole bunch of echo coming from you guys all of a sudden. He loves playing with that right at the beginning of the show for some reason. That was that was not pre-record. <laughs> like we had a decent conversation before we went live here, and there was no audio problems at all. And all of a sudden, you hit that record button, and... I Is thought if Murphy's I just law? opened that on my app, that it, it would just show. I, mean, I thought I had to. Well, be- you have to turn the volume down because the volume comes out of your phone. Oh, <laughs> anything would come down until I was admitted. No, it's because whatever we talk comes out of there regardless. Ah, okay. I don't even see, I don't even see you in the room, KS. Did you just? He like, was in for a in second. And, oh, okay. Yeah, he popped in and out. Because I was doing my intro. Didn't even look down. Okay. Did we, so, did we finish the intro? No, because I, I, I paused for the echo. So we do this podcast live uh, every Saturday around 4 p.m. Eastern time on Clubhouse, which means if you are a part of Clubhouse, find the club. Uh, it's the Anarchist Experience or at me, Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H, the number, f- uh, the number four R-I-C-H, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four R-I-C-H. And then when we start the show live, I will click the ping button to notify everybody. And if that gets annoying, then just drop out. I don't care. Um, but if you want to be a participant of the show, that's when we do it. And that's how you'll get notified, uh, to participate in this show. That being said, a scandal on the islands, apparently KS, you have the news. Yeah. Headline news of, um, two state legislators who were charged with, uh, bribery. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. No surprise that it happens for us, but I think that it was certainly embarrassing to them because they didn't expect to be caught. And one of them, uh, Kalani English, uh, who had been, I guess, the majority leader of the House for some years, or the Senate, I don't remember which, um, he was um, resigned last year, citing health reasons. But I suppose that the real reason, I think that the real reason might have been that he knew that he was under uh, investigation and, and likely to be charged and the other guy uh, that was charged um, re- resigned one half hour, 30 minutes before the charges were were announced. In any case, they were taking cash payments of $1,000, $5,000, $10,000 from a company that wanted them to introduce legislation or kill legislation. And they said, yeah, that's easy to do. And, uh, oh, this is nice to have. Um, my mortgage payments are just about coming due. And so they um, were caught in a, a car. Apparently, one of them was caught at a, in a car down by Kakako, um, an industrial area in town or a residential area. Okay. And apparently, the FBI had been, you know, tapping it all and and getting the whole conversation. So forgive me, but how is that different from lobbying and campaign contributions? Good point. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, really, if these guys are so stupid as to do it the illegal way instead of the legal way. Now, the legal way is that uh, cash goes to a, uh, a campaign fund, a which they some presumably can't can't directly tap for personal expenses. Oh, oh, um, is that so? Is that how that rule works? Yeah, I mean, okay. campaign contributions, and it used to be. Um, Politician con- writes book campaign pack buys ten million copies of politician's book. Yeah, to distribute free, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And one of the one of the charges, one of the, I guess they were handed some casino chips when they were gambling in Vegas, and uh, they cashed them in for twenty two thousand dollars worth of uh, of um, you know casino chips that they were handed by a representative from this company. Okay, and then uh, a day or two later, then the company. I mean, the reports from the Campaign Spending Commission following up on this finally uh, found that the company had made $150,000 of campaign contributions to a multitude of other senators and congressmen, I mean, uh, representatives in the state legislature. And they're all saying, well, we didn't know anything about it. And it didn't influence our our decision-making at all. And, oh, of course not. And all denying any kind of... Uh, but what makes it... But illegal is the quid pro quo, meaning if you can prove that this money was paid for a direct response, then it becomes illegal. And that's okay. what these guys were foolish enough to get caught at. And I think the only reason that such top dogs in the legislature get caught is that they get so used to it and it seems so routine that they don't, you know, their guard is down because it's, you know, it's like breathing you, or drinking water. You know, you it's so routine. You take money for favors. That's what you do as a politician. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and I just hope... What did you think public... my job was? That's what Biden said his job was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. KS yeah. saw that, that video of Biden explaining his corruption. Okay. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could find it and play that it. So you guys, you guys talk about that. That was at the very beginning of, of his career. I think he had just gotten elected. Was he elected? I think I watched part of the video that uh, that you guys are talking about. You sent it to me too, right, MC? While you look oh, yeah. for it, but yeah, yeah, it's on there. And he's just—it's amazing. Let me just say this: it's amazing the the uh, the structure of that because it seems so normal back then, right? It's like a one-on-one conversation in front of an audience, um, an eloquent, you know, well-spoken TV host just talking to the candidate, right? Going over some stuff. How do you feel about this? What's your position on that? You know. And, and then, it's sort of a mock trial. Okay. And in the mock trial, they're supposed to be making this case for legislation that will control campaign financing, yeah. of course. Well, you know, he's giving the explanation about why it needs to pass this law because to control people like him. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, let, let me try pl- hit play on it and see right, if I get it at yeah, the right time. You got to turn it up, though. I can barely hear it. All right, go, go ahead and stop that, MC, because it's I can barely hear it, and it's it's barely registering on the audio, so no oh. one listening is going to be able to hear it. Yeah, okay, sorry about that. I mean, it's like can, coming you, up full blast on my end. Okay, yeah, it's it's not registering on mine, so no. Okay. Well, we'll anyway, skip that he, part and move on. Uh, but yeah, go, they, you, they you ask, go ahead and summarize. Yeah, they ask him uh, why uh, about corruption, and he says, well, I don't know why you should assume I'm not corrupt. And then he goes on to explain the story 
of how he got into some sort of power. This is this is in the 1974 before I was born, yeah. of course. And and he was in his 20s at the time. This was like like Kay, I said early on in his career. Well, like, welcome this, to this the is club. Well, in 1974, he was old enough to be in office already. Okay. Just got elected. Just got elected. Right. Okay. So, but before that, so, well, I mean, in 1974, he gives this, this talk and he's saying that um, <clears throat> he wanted to get into politics. And so, of course, what you, what you need to do to get into politics is basically sell your soul and go after the money and go after people who are going to fund you. Right. And you, of course you're going to do give favors for them. Of course. That's, that's what he said. The story is, and that's and it's basically a truism. Okay. Um, and then he goes on to explain uh, that he, he went after those, those people with the money and the people with the money said, come back when you're older. And so he did, he came back when he, when he's older and now he's here given the story and he says, and here I am, I'm, I got elected. <laughs> And part of it too is like I didn't I didn't want to prostitute myself out to them, right? Like yeah, no, fundraising he wasn't is so denying difficult. It. Yeah, he wasn't denying it. He said this is what you have to do to get the money to get elected. And here he is. Yeah, and here I am. I did the thing that you wanted me to do. I got the election. Now, quid pro quo me, right? Kind of a thing. Yeah. So back to back to the Hawaii people. Not a surprise, KS. You were mentioning that it seems so routine, and that's when they let the guard down. Um, I used to listen to another podcast uh, that dealt with legal issues and I shared this on free talk live within the last few weeks. And the idea that this podcast uh, put forth was whenever you're going after state agents, um, you take them to federal court. And whenever you're going after federal agents, uh, you take them to state court. And the idea behind that was basically, um, even though we consider them all to be part of the state, uh, they still don't like each other all that much. And they're not, you know, they're not as friendly as we anarchist libertarians, or whatever would like to believe. Um, and so in this case, right, it's, it's the feds going after state legislatures. So kind of falls into that. Is there a, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Is there well, a and why the federal would- government uses its, you know, wire fraud, anything that interstate becomes a federal issue. And because, I suppose the bribes were partly in Las Vegas with can, handling uh, 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 casino chips. Okay. Um, and because something was con- transacted over a telephone wire, which is a, a you know a federal jurisdiction, that's where the federal government uses as its jurisdiction for intervening in this. Okay. It's still. It, it, are you not surprised though that like why would they bother intervening? Yeah, I get it that it's their jurisdiction. But they're all part of the state. They're you know they they're probably corrupt at the upper echelons of that too. Why go after these uh, small local politicians for you know for that? Like I don't. That's that's I, more my. I don't question. think I don't think the FBI entirely runs from top down. Sometimes okay. it does, but uh, there are also people that just are working in the FBI and they have their you know own uh, objectives. And there, there's probably a lot of. Uh, do-gooders in the FBI that, uh, you know, are doing what they think their job should be, which is go after corruption and okay. uh, and stuff like that. Um, but that's not always the way it plays out. Um, it, a lot of times the, the top-down type of stuff is, is corrupt in itself. You know, they're going after, uh, you know, they're politically motivated to go after the people they do, but not always. Um, okay. So I met a guy who, who, uh, um, he, he, he went to work 
in the FBI. And he was saying, you know, uh, how proud he is to do this and he'll be able to go after people. And, and I responded <clears throat> to, to him by saying, uh, no, I don't, I don't think you are going to be successful. I think uh, corruption is, is deeply embedded in, in the whole system. Right. And proof of that, proof of that is, uh, this, this is when I was uh, working for the, as a, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> beyond that, when I was working, this, this is ten, over 10 years ago. When you had a job. When I had a job. Okay. Um, so, oh, I lost track. Too much caffeine. You were talking to your um, FBI buddy who was about to be a do-gooder about how so you didn't believe it. I, I told him about the, the the thing that happened on CNN, which was, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory that uh, they caught like 2,000 people uh, looking at child porn at, at the Pentagon. And I said, well, where, where's that story going to go? And he said, he said, that didn't happen. I said, and I showed him the CNN article and, and he's like, oh, holy shit. And so, so I said, you know, Nobody's going to do anything about this, not even you. And so then he looked into it, and he never got back to me. <laughs> so it, it's it's one of those things. You just get some things for political reasons just get buried, yeah. and other things that don't really matter, like this this one right here with the you know the local politicians getting paid off. All of them are getting paid off. Um, just most of them are getting paid off the the legal way, like we yeah. talked about already. Well, and also to be very cynical if one can be on this show. Never too cynical on this show. It, I mean, it's also conceivable that these guys were targeted because they weren't playing the game with the main powers to be. Okay. In other words, these are, these are not the top dogs in the... They, they were pretty high up in the, in the state legislature, but they were not... I don't think they're the top power people in the, in the state. And Sacrificial. Yeah, they you know if if they don't play along, then the clear warning to them is: look, if you don't play along with the game, we will get root you out and get you know. This is what Xi Jinping does to his rivals in China. When somebody challenges him, he gets them charged with corruption, and then they're out of the picture. Um, and I wouldn't. I, it's also conceivable that this is the kind of thing going on here. I just don't know. There's no evidence of it, but. Yes, these guys are being brought down. So does that mean that people feel, ah, oh, now the system is clean because now the, these guys have been brought down, or is it just revealed a huge swamp, um, or is that the guys who didn't play along with the major players are just out of the picture? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think getting rid of these two guys is going to end the corruption in in the state government or any other government for that matter. Right? Like, I don't think. I don't think that threat is there. Um, it kind of rem- have you guys seen the movie um, Lords uh, Lords of War, Lord of War, or something like that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So one of the, the the scene that I'm referring to then is when they finally catch, you know, the bad guy, right? And he's mm-hmm. he's like he's arrested, he's in for interrogation, and he's sitting there, and he goes, "Congratulations, you caught me. Here's what's going to happen: someone higher up than you is going to come." shake your hand, pat you on the back, say that's all, and then they're going to let me go. Right? Do you remember that scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, to, to me, that's part of, like, the whole game, right, with, with the politicians. Like, everyone knows how it's played. These guys are either the sacrificial lambs or whatever, but what's going to happen to them afterwards, right? They've already resigned. They're already, you know, 
off doing their own thing and they get the pat on the back, right? Okay, you you guys got caught, you're busted, but where's the follow-up, right? What happens after this? Because they're already out. It's not like, you know, not like they still have any power, but it just it seems a, like going through the motions from the FBI point of view. I had a cousin who was a Defense Department auditor and I asked him, well, what do you do with auditing? Well, I checked to see if there's any uh, improper behavior with these contracts and all that. And I said, did you find any? He said, well, yeah, I found some uh, cases of it. And I said, well, what happened? Well, we reported it on up. And then I said, well, then what happened? Well, we never heard anything more after that. Yeah. You know, I get the feeling that, you know, well, you, you've got to go through the motions to make it look like it's... But then I, but then, if things are this bad, then I, I can't understand why it isn't worse than it is. I mean, why, why is there... I mean, it, it could be worse. Well, in what... I agree with you, but in what respect would you, what would being worse look like to you? Like if things were worse, how, how do you see things playing out or how do you see the state of affairs as it stands now? Like blatant corruption? Like they don't even try to hide it? Yeah. Like when you hear way, what the, yeah, you know, you, the Mexican police thing, oh, like, oh yeah, you just, you pay your bribe and they let you go. Right. You don't really get arrested you know, in Mexico. You just pay. Transparency your- International has a report called, I mean, um, yeah, called the Corruption Perceptions Index, in which they try to evaluate levels of corruption in different countries. And the Scandinavian countries always appear at the top. And I, having known many, uh, many Scandinavians from you know, my students and friends and that sort of thing, um, I get the impression that there's a tremendous measure of shame to be on the take in Scandinavian countries. It's a tremendous embarrassment, even for very, very small amounts. And, they, you know, they even reveal everybody's, uh, in Norway, they reveal everybody's income. They, re- they, they know what, what's going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of transparency. So when you say at the top, you, they're like the least corrupt then? Because that wasn't Well, that wasn't no, so that it, when, when there's somebody that is caught or uh, taking a bribe and so on, there's tremendous shame. The whole community reviles them and, and outcasts them. Whereas if you ask uh, somebody, I've asked my uh, students in China, I said, well, what do you think about somebody who takes a bribe and uses his office to uh, get rich at the expense of the general public? Their response is generally, oh, they're lucky. You know, wish I could get a position like that. And in the United States, I think, you know, people shrug their shoulders and say, well, that's the way it is. Uh, This guy will be um, uh, slapped on the wrist as John McCain was, and then he'll be back in office running for president again later on. So it's just the way the game is played. But I don't think it's that way in other countries where there's tremendous um, community shame for behaving like that. And that, that seems to me one way to battle um, corruption is not just not the law, but the, the community attitude towards it. Okay. I hear what you're saying, and I just, I wonder how to go back on that. And the only, the only comparison that comes to my mind um, was the shame that older generations felt about being on food stamps, right? Yeah. Like, you did not yeah. want to get caught with food stamps because of the shame of it all. Like, oh my gosh, you're getting assistance from the state, right? And then they switched and stopped calling them food stamps. And now they call it EBT, and you get a card. So when you're yeah. at the grocery store, you can't really tell the difference between the someone paying card. with actual yeah. stamps, right, or cash, yeah. versus they're just putting the card in the machine. 
To remove the stigma. To remove the stigma. And then, you know, so that goes on. And now, you know, with the, the COVID lockdowns, right? If you weren't asking for a handout, it was what's wrong with you, right? Hey, look, they're giving out this free money, these stimuluses, right? I want, how do I get mine? Because I also want the free money. So now the stigma is if you're not asking for a handout, right, there's something wrong with you. And it's, it's gone completely the opposite direction. Yeah. And so, I used to ask uh, my students, okay, suppose you could get paid uh, $60,000 a year to do nothing. Um, here's a job in the government. And then there used to be plenty of examples in the bureaucracy, somebody getting paid $60,000 a year uh, and, and asked to do nothing. Um, in fact, ABC used to do reports on this. And they all said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 95% of the students would say, yeah, I'd love it. And then I'd say, just change the one word. I'd say, well, how many of you would take um, $60,000 worth of welfare to do nothing? And, and 95% of them would say, no. Oh, no, that's embarrassing to my family and friends. I have all this college degree and everything, and, I, and I'm getting on welfare. So this, the, the perception of the image is um, really significant to them. Do you have a breakdown of how much of that was like international students versus American students kind of thing? It seems like the... It's probably about the same. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's probably. Okay. Fair enough then. I just, again, I I see... Here's the the honest truth, right? Like, I don't know if I feel bad for those people in those positions um, because for me, if you ask that question, like, here's $60,000 to do absolutely nothing, right? Like, I'm uniquely suited for that kind of work. Right. Well, get in the government job. <laughs> and, that, and that's the only, really, the only thing keeping me out of government job at this point is like morals and ethics, right? Sure. Like I can't bring myself to do it anymore or I choose not to do it anymore. Uh, but at one time, right, like b- before I had the transition over to, uh, you know, the philosophy of liberty and anarchism and all that, uh, I would apply for government jobs. And I just, I never got them. Um, and one of the one of the frustrating things was like when looking for work was the application process to get the damn government job, right? Like I could fire off a dozen resumes on Craigslist, just like apply, 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 or on Monster. Remember Monster dot com or Career yes. Builder, or one of those things, right? And then I go to like the government job site, and it's like type in everything all over again, <laughs> right? Upload your resume, but then type it all over again. So mm-hmm. it would take like 20 minutes to apply for one job. Whereas if I stayed in the private sector, I could apply for, you know, 20 jobs in 20 minutes. And so I just went, this is such a fucking headache. I just don't want to apply. So even, even that level of like mundane hoop jumping uh, kept me out of government work long ago. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of glad about that. Um, but can you blame people, right? If you're like, here's $60,000 to do absolutely nothing. Right. Like that's, it's a hard pass. Even my job now in the private sector, I don't do very much work. And because of that, it's a very hard job to quit. I don't want to quit that job because even if I apply for a job with like uh, a substantial increase in pay, it's an even more significant and substantial workload burden that I'll have to undergo to like to make it up. And so for the, the pay that I get versus the actual work that I do, is quite an offset, uh, even in my current job at the moment. I used to go ahead. Well, I mean, I, I don't, 
hold it against the person who takes that job, but I hold it as an issue of concern for the people giving the job. Sure. Uh, for example, I expect that from government because uh, the go- the government can just force people to pay them anyway. So it doesn't uh, to, to to pay the the money over. I, I knew when I used I used to work in government for a couple of years after college, and and I, there were a lot of people I knew who did nothing. In fact, um, because the job security was so great, they would be a total alcoholic. Go on, alcoholic. Did I lose you? Uh oh. A friend of mine was an alcoholic in the bureaucracy, had a, a pretty high-level job, uh, an office of his own, a certain exact amount of, of office space. He had a secretary outside. He had uh, all the accoutrements of um, good bureaucratic lifestyle and nothing on his desk. He had no requirements to do anything because the job security was so great, he could not be removed from that job for the rest of his life. Okay. And that's the way the bureaucracy often was in Washington, D.C., um, and of course, I hold it uh, as an issue of responsibility to the uh, the managers of it. You know, the manager has no incentive in government uh, because they get their money by forcing taxpayers to pay for it. There's no no accountability whatsoever in the private sector. If you do that, you lose out in competition to other people that are more responsible managers. So there's a natural competitive uh, sorting out. In the in the private marketplace, sure. So I don't I don't really hold it against somebody who can land a job to do nothing. Yeah, that's. I I, I once was a recruiter, I guess, or you know, the HR guy for um, an insurance company, and it, I don't want to call it like a scam of a job, but it was definitely uh, shady, insofar as like everyone who wanted the job got hired, for the most part. Like if you showed up for the interview you were pretty much guaranteed to get the job because turnover was so high. They just funneled people in and through the system, right? Nothing necessarily wrong with that. It is what it is. But I remember there was one guy who came in for like the second interview and they said, you know, like, why are you here? And he said, like, I want to make the most money I can for the least amount of effort. Uh, and the the top manager like kicked him out of the interview. And I went, well, why'd you do that? You know, he's like, we don't want that lazy people in here. Like, I don't know if he said he was lazy, right? Like, you know, we're, we're pitching the idea that you can make, you know, six figures just going around pitching insurance to people, right? Like, it's not, it's not back-breaking labor, right? And you can make a, you know, you can make a hell of a lot of money doing this. Um, he just didn't like the guy's attitude. And I go, well, isn't, isn't that everyone's goal? Like, when, when you're looking for work, right? Shouldn't, is, I mean, am I wrong? Right, I want to make the most amount of money with the little amount of effort as possible. That seems like standard fare from a worker point of view. If I have to work harder to get the same amount of money, why would I take that job when I can work less and get the same amount of money? Right? Am I lazy? Is it a bad attitude on my part? Did I lose you guys yeah. again? Okay. And, and there and there's there's some studies that say sometimes the the lazy person isn't actually lazy. They they actually are good to have in organizations because they they simplify or get rid of processes that are not necessary and create less work and therefore um, they they have uh, more productivity. Yeah. Um, even with less work. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the bureaucrat type of person is the opposite of that. They want to create the most work and the most paperwork, the most. Uh, uh, red tape and things to get in the way because to them that's that's easy for them they okay. they create they create this uh 
a complicated system that that only they know how to do, and that creates job security and it it prevents them from thinking. So they don't they, they can be at work and do doing things constantly without thinking about them. And mostly and doing busy work and doing busy, that. yeah, yeah, busy, yeah. Work. busy means productive and 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 worthy. Uh, um, whereas the person who may be lazy but very efficient. I mean, I I used to. I like the feel, term efficient. I consider like, myself uh, an efficient worker. I, I used to get frustrated with students who didn't study at all and they got A's, and I thought, how can they do that? You know, they they you know real real yeah. Lazy student, but actually, that's marvelous that they could do it. And if that's if the objective was to score something on a test, then okay, more power to them. If they didn't have to read and they could still and didn't have to come to classes and still uh, do very well, yeah, that was fantastic. Not everybody could do that. Um, well, then it's unfair, the, right? The real measure, dumb it down. The real <laughs> measure isn't then what you know. Did you get the grade or did you get the paycheck? I think a, a more interesting measure to me is do you feel like you've accomplished something valuable and worthwhile in life okay you know, and that can be done whether with sometimes you know pay is a way of signaling to people oh, you see this it must have been very worthwhile because you got a lot of pay for it but not necessarily i think there's a um there's a lot of things that get no pay in the world and yet are very very valuable yeah uh for, for me doing this podcast and being on the radio on free talk live are the most effort for least pay. But the value that I get is from the fun in doing it. Right. So I keep doing it even though the pay is not there because I'm not here for the money. If I was here for the money, we wouldn't have made it past like year one. Right. But we're, we're like the beginning of year eight and I'm still here. MC, you're still here. KS, you're still here. And there's, you know, and, there's no fun going around. I agree with you. I've, I've come to appreciate the value of just this intellectual exercise. Yeah. I mean, what else might I be doing on a Saturday morning? Just, uh, you know, th- this is this is a good exercise, and I, I find it rewarding and valuable. So, yes, I mean... Beyond I, the pay. And, right? yeah. Rewarding well, and valuable. Well, okay, we're not getting paid, but yeah. uh, the um, you could say audience is a measure that some people use, Um to gauge how valuable it is. And I don't think that's necessarily the value either. Okay. I mean, whether a book sells to a million people or, um, or to five, uh, still the measure is the message in the book, uh, not necessarily how many people bought a copy, whether they read it or not. I mean, I get a lot of people saying, oh, they got to study economics, you know. Well, no, it matters what kind of economics you study, not, not just that it's economics. Yeah. Uh, they got to get educated. It matters what what the education is, not just education. Yeah, there 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 are plenty of educated people out in the world today, right? Because <laughs> yeah, because college loans got easy. I you know I am part of that group, right? I don't know I don't know how I survived um, coming out of that system where I am now, but so, somehow my aversion to authority in general like really helped that. Because I didn't pay much attention in class, I was—I may not have been the best student. I don't—I think I got a, you know straight A's a few semesters in college, but I was—I did well um, on again minimal effort, right? Like not a photo, not a photographic memory or a photogenic memory, but just I knew how to study to pass tests, and that's what I did. Um, and so I even after college, I would tell people like most of the stuff I learned, I learned after I graduated, like college was a blur at this point and kind of meant nothing. And degree 
up until this point has been relatively worthless aside from maybe opening doors, right? Like my resume might get a second glance uh, because of the degree, but I don't know how valuable that is anymore with the, you know, with the saturation. And they told us this in college, right? When we were graduating with, with our bachelor's, like one of the professors said, you should probably go on and get your master's. If you can get your master's, you probably should, because so many people have bachelor's degrees at this point. Um, it no longer makes you stand out. Like a college degree is no longer enough. And this was in the early aughts, like the, the early yeah. to mid aughts got this advice. And I don't know why that isn't a signal to the colleges to make the bachelor's degree, even just for their college, more difficult to get. Like if, the, if you knew for that college, there was a, a 50% chance that the person would not get the bachelor's degree because they would not be good enough. Um, then automatically that would make it more valuable. You could, you could tell your employer, I've got a bachelor's degree, but um, I'm one of the few that can complete it because right. it's difficult. <laughs> well, and I guess the, the only way to, to show that is um, from which college did you graduate, right? Right. Because if you got a bachelor's from Harvard or Yale mm -hmm. or Dartmouth, exactly. right, that should be seen as more valuable um, than, you know, I don't, I don't even know what's a low-end college. Nebraska. For, sorry, Nebraska. Uh, but whatever. You get, you, get, you get what I'm saying. So they, mm -hmm. they can look at that. Uh, but I also remember, you know, like uh, my soccer coach slash government teacher in high school, right, who was young at the time for a, for a high school uh, teacher. And he was like, I'm telling you guys this right now. Once you get to college, GPA doesn't matter, right? After, after you graduate from college, no one asks you what your GPA was in college, only that you have the degree or not. So it's pass-fail at that point. Yes, I got the degree. No, I didn't get the degree. And, you know, that's, that's all that matters at that point. So you go to college, you get the degree, and then what? Then it's just as good as everyone else's unless, of course, you're Harvard, Yale, Brown, Dartmouth, one of the Ivy League schools, which carry with it that aura of, of, of superiority. Accomplishment, yeah. yeah. Um, so why aren't more colleges trying to compete with them and make, it, make their college more difficult? Why are they happy just to pass everybody because federal student aid is easy right so it's just a it's just a cash grab come here because it's easy i mean if and i and i, and I had that happen at, when okay. i went to school so if you're asking me my opinion yeah yeah why you know why not maximize your student enrollment and then if your if your college gets the perception right that um not everyone's going to graduate right then not as many people are going to apply and then you end up, you know, that you end up in that case where, you know, you just enrollment goes down and you're not maximizing your enrollment numbers. And if enrollment would, equals tuition. I would say that um, the grade that you get isn't a reflection so much as what you've learned as your discipline and drive and motivation. For example, there was a, a study I, I, I cited in my classes that says that, if you got a uh, a uh, bachelor's degree, your pay over your lifetime may be twice what it would be if you just had a high school diploma. Yep. But if you were in the lower 25% of your graduating class with a bachelor's degree, your pay would still be no better than if you had just gotten a high school diploma. In other words, it, it mattered that not that you got the degree, but that you 
still um, scored reasonably well in the in there. And I don't think it's because of what you learned. I think it's because of what it demonstrates about your discipline and motivation and drive um, to do whatever the task is. Yeah. Whereas I, I've got a lot of students who, well, they'd feel really just a warm body presence is all that's necessary to get that degree. And I think that that will carry over into an employment. If they get a, you know, if they get hired because they got the degree, it's going to be very quickly understood by any employer that there's no drive, no motivation, no incentive on the work, uh, in the workplace either. And it, they're going to wash out pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I want to say, I don't know where it came from. I think we, we either did the article or had the article um, several weeks ago, and it was like the anti-work mentality cur- currently going around. Um, did we do that here? Or did I just, I know I was reading it. Um, but it, it, I almost want to say that seems to be a generational thing, right? The, like, at some point, how do I want to phrase this? it's going to be difficult to hire competent workers at all and times change. And that may just be where it's at. Um, for instance, my dad ran a collection agency in Hawaii for most of his career. Like that's, you know, that's what he did. He was one of those like, you know, 20 plus year employees with the same company kind of a thing. And I remember, I don't remember if I was high school, maybe a little bit before high school or something, Um, but at some point he was, um, upset or, you know, disgusted, man, maybe those are strong words. Um, he was noticing the trend in the pool of applicants from which he had to choose when finding more people to make collection calls. And he said, like, when I first got into this business, right, if you came in here with a piercing or a tattoo, you were immediately disqualified from consideration like unprofessional. And then somewhere along the line, the culture dictated that eh, most people have piercings and tattoos. And so he had to, he was forced, he was coerced by nature <laughs> to start considering applicants with tattoos and piercings because he, there was no pool of applicants without them. And I make that comparison to today where the pool of applicants like don't necessarily want to be there anymore. Like it's an entire generation or an entire cultural shift to lack of drive for work in general, or, you know, what I was suggesting earlier, uh, bare minimum work for, you know, whatever pay they're offering, right. And, you know, uh, maximum, maximum dollars for minimal, uh, maximum dollars for minimal work. Well, if you're offering minimal dollars, right, then you're going to get less than minimal work. Um, I'm curious, has the tattoo or the piercing, changed in its uh, symbolism or in the past 10, 20, 30 years? I mean, does it mean something different now than it did before? I know I mean, why I does have, it. I have that same kind of feeling about it, but I don't know. I, Personally, I, mine mean nothing. Person. Like there's, as I don't, I don't know what sort of answer you're looking for. Like there's, I don't think there's any cultural symbolism to my tattoos or piercings. I just like them. Um, but what I do know is that the owner of the company that I work for does not like them. And at one point it was suggested that I remove the, at least, uh, you know, cover up the tattoos and remove the piercings while I'm at work. And I said, you know, is this a fireable offense, right? Like if I choose not to, are you going to fire me? And the answer was basically, no, I get, okay, then I'm probably not going to do it. 
Right? <laughs> like I don't. <laughs> no consequence. It's, if it's but up, actually, no I I applaud you because uh, I probably would have thought, oh, I want I want my employer to think well of me, so I might have just done what he requested. Uh, well, but I, and, I, I applaud you for you know saying, well, that's that's me, and it's not going to make any difference. So, and, you know, I, I, that's good. But and but there was also like I'm good at my job, right? So don't bother me for dumb shit. And um, my my direct supervisor, who was like bringing this down from the owner, right, had a significant amount of like positive feedback from customers, who you know when when she was covering for me in the office or whatever, they would they would speak highly of me, you know. But the owner was like, well, he's the he's the face of the company because he's the first person they see in the office. And we can't have people seeing the tattoos and the piercings. And I went, do you have any feedback from customers who chose to go somewhere else because they saw holes in my eyebrow? Right? Like, do we, do, do we have documentation of this? You know, can we see, a, can I, can you show me a lost sale? Right. Because of my piercings and tattoos, because I can tell you, like, I've never gotten that. And most people that walk into the office, looking for storage because I, I manage a storage facility, right? Walk out with a storage unit, right? Unless, you know, unless there's like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent closer. Um, but it's not that difficult to close because like all we're selling are holes in the walls, right? Here's an empty space. <laughs> do, you, do you, do you want this empty space or not? You know? And okay, so would, it, would it be, do you think it'd be different in some other kind of a line of work, you know, um, selling insurance or, uh, you know, selling a car or, or, um, yeah, possibly, you know, something like that. I, it, I, with no uncertainty, did I not get a, uh, a job selling cars because I had sideburns and a goatee. And this was like right out of college kind of a thing going to get the sales job. And they didn't say, they didn't use the words like, here's why you're not getting the job. But the manager was very clear in his advice about the importance of appearance. And I was well-dressed, right? I didn't have a suit at the time, but I had, you know, collared shirt, tie, good slacks, nice shoes. Um, but I, you know, I had sideburns and a goatee because that's, that's the way I looked at the time. And, that you know, that he was clear. He wasn't clear. He was vague, but it was clear. The messaging was clear that that's the reason why they weren't going to hire me. Right, is because they want their sales staff to be, you know, clean cut, polished, you know, whatever. Um, I'm, you know, again, advice for my dad when he's like, go get a job at a bank. Um, that was that was the thing at the banks too. Like when you go in the bank, you know, nice, nice short hair, buzzed cut, clean shaven men, right? The nice suits or whatever. Um, but I make my bank deposit for work every morning, and one of the best guys that works in that bank that's been there the longest, um, you know, is is a younger dude with like, you know, the, the full on, you know, beard, like the longer beard. And so apparently even that has changed, right? Because you wouldn't expect to see that in a bank. Okay. A decade let me, let me ask um, this further extension on that. Sure. Do you think that then it matters? Um, the person at the front line, like the clerk at the bank window, um, does it then influence a management decision about whether or not to promote him onto other levels in the bank? Um, I don't think so. I think it may have been like that in the past, right? Like if, even mm. if, if he was good enough to get the job, they might have used that as, but I don't, I don't see that as being the, the stopping point anymore. 
um, again, the, you know, my, the owner of my, my job, um, is, you know, is older, probably more old school and it's a family business. So there's no like corporate, corporate overwatchers, right? It's just him. So it's okay. So actually times are changing. So values are changing and people that's what are I'm much suggesting. more accepting of this. Yes. But I'm wondering if they're less accepting about other things like the woke phenomena, um, something you might say or do that, that causes people to reject you out of hand, not because of the way you look, but because of something you said. Uh, maybe you wore a, a, you know, if somebody wore a Trump button. Uh, or a maggot, <laughs> well, that's very polarizing. Head. That might yeah. either help you a lot or hurt you a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, right, right. So I, I want to, I want to say no, that it doesn't hurt um, too much anymore. But even if it did, what I, what, what I was suggesting earlier is that it's a cultural shift already. And if you reject woke employees, you're going to find that your pool of talent has dwindled significantly, um, which is why all the people in the anti-work Reddit thread and all the commies, right, are still getting income somehow, right? They bitch about their job. They do the bare minimum at work. They'll never get a promotion, but they don't care because it's, hey, I get, I have enough. I get my stimmy. I get, you know, a little bit of EBT from the state. And I can, you know, I can do other things because I am taken care of and I'll just complain about capitalism from there. Well, and I suspect that a lot of them get paid well at, un- at government universities sure. and schools. Um, and I, and I so will also setting the, the new standard by their. Yeah. Um, if you uh, if you haven't seen this, I will also point you in the direction of Joe Biden's new uh, Department of Energy appointee. Have you seen this? Either of you? No. Oh my goodness. So the, the new head of the department of energy, um, is one of these, uh, I'm going to say, cause you use the word woke, um, but has a, a, a public persona as a kink fetishist, right. Who dresses in women's clothes and has sex with other men while they're pretending to be animals. Oh, and walks them. He walks other men around on a leash, right? And then in public. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Totally. How do they know this about this person? Be- because he, this is his public persona. This is readily oh. available information. If you want to look up something, MC, like Biden's Department of Energy guy. If you want to like really trip <laughs> out on this for a moment. Um. So, so to answer your question, Cass, like no, like this, this is the future, right? It's it's that. I don't know what his work ethic is, right? Or, nor do I personally care about his his. That's kink obviously fetishes. not not why he was he was hired. He was it's, probably hired because of his kink fetishes. It, okay, but I don't even I don't think that's better, right? Oh no, like, I don't think it's better. Either. <laughs> he should be hired because he's qualified for the job, and oh yeah, he has this public well, kink fetish. Biden also has defined a uh, uh, a black woman to to put in the Supreme court position. So just because right? we're not going for yeah, the most doesn't, qualified. It doesn't matter. Maybe, um, the, this black woman will also have some type of other fetish, you know, maybe. And, and it may or may not be as public as this dude's right. But mm-hmm. this dude is very, very public about his, his kinks and his fetishes. And it should be unrelated to the job. However, it's the it's the most prevalent thing about him, right? No one is discussing his qualifications for the job. They're just discussing this, you know, 
out outside of work external aspect of his person and personality. Mm-hmm. And again, the suggestion is not that he is the most qualified, but that he is the most woke of the applicants. And since that's the what that's what the agenda is from the left at the moment, um, that's what's getting yeah. him the appointment. Yeah, the agenda from the left is just so weird. It's it's almost unbelievable. It's like uh, they've taken you know clown politics to a new level. Clearly, clearly, is this Jennifer Granholm? Uh, uh, that apparently, doesn't she me. was. I mean, it, that's what's listed here with uh, Google, Secretary of of Energy. It's a uh, I you know you guys talk then and I'll find the name or whatever. But it was Deputy Secretary of Energy David David Turk. Okay, um, but neither of them seem to have uh, any flashing announcements about their. Well, okay, like yes, I, said, I had a I had a question about a topic we had earlier uh, that uh, the corruption of Hawaii politicians. Um, do you suspect that's why uh, Las Vegas is so popular in Hawaii? Is is are all the politicians going to Las Vegas? all the time is that <laughs> it sounds like because if you get all the politicians and all their friends and and all their families going to las vegas all, all the time um you know they call las vegas the the uh, second home for hawaii or something like that right i think it's because hawaii doesn't all gambling and gambling is naturally sam brinton it, is the dude's name ks if you want to look that up s-a-m-b-r-i-n-t-o-n Sam Brinton, okay. Yep. Oh, Brinton, okay. Sam Brinton is an MIT graduate who's both a queer activist oh. and a specialist in handling nuclear waste. Uh, okay, he's director of global political strategy, apparently, it looks like. It says new appointment to the Department of Energy in the article that I'm looking at. Oh, DO, newest DOE pick. Um, what a colorful life Deputy Brinton has. He is a pup handler, quote-unquote. That is a gay man who leads other gay men who pretend to be dogs. What is that all about? <laughs> Let this profile in Metro Weekly fill you in. And I'm not going to read it, but there you go. I mean, not not the secretary of, but I, I think he's, uh, he joined, he accepted, uh, yeah, I, I don't quite get what his actual title is, but I don't think it's the number, the top, but, but anyway, it, 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 regardless, that's uh, um, one of the top strategic positions. It's a, it's a, Office it's of a presidential Energy. appointment. Yeah. Office of Nuclear Energy for the Department of Energy. Yeah, good. Okay. So, a guy who walks Deputy other guys around Secretary. on a leash is going to be like dealing with the nuclear stuff. Good times. Do you trust him? He's qualified, right? It's got to be MIT grad. Can we focus on that? What are his qualifications? Couldn't tell you because it's not what they're focusing on. And again, he he may be qualified, um, but that's not what's going. That's not what's going to lead the stories. It's this other <laughs> aspect to his life. Well, yeah. I mean, I uh, I don't know enough about him to say whether he's competent or not, but I mean, he certainly got the attention of um, Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> what, I don't. Uh, was it? Were we talking about this like within the last couple of weeks, um, or was it again? I, everything flows together for me so so smoothly that I forget where things got covered, or if it was just me reading it. Um, but the um, New York mayor or something appointed someone to like you know some department or whatever is like oh no it was this uh i think it was the new york city's mayor appointed his brother to like head of security right like the the man most responsible for the safety of the mayor of new york and his prior position was like low level part-time security guard 
at some podunk mall or something like that, right? So it's just, it's, it's nepotism and then not hiring the best people for the jobs, but hiring whoever you want. And in Biden's case, for an agenda that I don't even know where they're trying to go with that at all. Well, he's trying to win the LGBT um, vote, I suppose. That's, Does he uh, not have it? <laughs> right? Mm. Can, you call, can we call that the base at this I, point? Are they lining I don't think, up for Trump? Whatever happened I don't think to it's Biden? Really, I don't really think it's up to Biden. I think his, his administration is calling all the shots. And I, I don't think Biden would, would pick any of these people if it was his choice. It's just okay. he doesn't care. And other or people are running. Know. I think he knows, but oh, he, Sam, fine he doesn't gentlemen. care. Met yeah. his mother once. He's he's just you know filling a a seat, and other people are are actually running things, and the, and the people that are running things are are totally clueless. They have no idea what's going on. Okay. Well, hopefully, Mister Brinton has a clue about his job above and beyond his public. Well, I mean, list. he's got he's got the degrees, and uh, you know, uh, and and stuff. So his resume, I'm I'm sure satisfied the uh, approval okay. process well we just we just it's, talked about that is you know are those quality degrees at this point well mit um okay. dual master of science degree in nuclear engineering and technology and policy um then he worked for i, I, I like nukes i'm on i'm on his side already okay well you like nuclear <laughs> you like you like nuclear power going forward right yeah right okay not nuclear war like what right. Russia and Ukraine. Oh, that's a good transition. Nuclear war with Russia and Ukraine. We got a few minutes left. That was the other topic on the table. Do we I, know I think KS on? has a more nuanced view of, of this than I do. I just I just see, you know, the bare minimum coming from the media that that you know Biden's pushing for chaos and and uh the the leader of Ukraine is trying to uh lessen that that view and uh Biden got confused between Ukraine and Afghanistan. I, I'm going to chalk this up as he also <laughs> on this topic either. But KS, you had, you had a more nuanced view? What's, what's going on over there? Oh, I wouldn't say it's more. I mean, I, I've spoken, I communicated with some people from Ukraine, and they are saying that most of the noise and hype about this is coming from Western media. Uh, but, it, I mean, if you're trying to think of a strategy that would prevent uh, an aggression, then a lot of noise is, is good. And they came out saying that uh, they've even uncovered a plot to, um, to um, create an, an incident that would be a pretense for, for invasion, you know, because uh, Putin has always been saying, no, 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 I'm not, I have no intention of invading. But if there was a, an attack by Ukrainian soldiers against Russian soldiers and a couple were killed, then he could say, ah, now I have to go in to rescue Russians. Well, That's what Adolf Hitler did in Poland in 1939. Western and media uh, also put up an article that said Russia invades Ukraine and left it up uh, for like a half an hour before correcting their error. Mm, yeah. North Korea invaded Hawaii under that pretense too on the on that grounds too an error in the yeah. yeah Biden said attack is imminent and then they took that down they said no it's not imminent and then they put another one up it says it's imminent maybe Tuesday <laughs> and he also fudged because he said well, well there would be a severe sanctions uh, response and then he said well if it was a significant uh, attack not not just a minor incursion on the border so the, then his 
his handlers had to walk him back on that and say, well, no, we can't allow any kind of minor uh, incursions. So, no, there's a lot of confusion about it. Um, my friends are uh, nervous about it. There's a lot of preparation, but they don't want it hyped so much as to maybe precipitate action. They're, they're really trying diplomatic actions to try and make sure that it doesn't happen. Can we call uh, they, this the I war was in, for Ukrainian independence? Well, I, I was in Georgia a week before the invasion, before Russia invaded Georgia. And there were lots of warnings that it would occur. Our, my Georgian friend said it wouldn't, don't worry about it. So we went and held a week uh, seminars uh, there and then left just before. And then, of course, they attacked in two regions that are hotly contested between uh, the south of Abkhazia and uh, what are the two, uh, anyway, two regions in, in Georgia. And the Russians do occupy those regions, still have ever since. They did so because they were worried about Georgia having some reason to join NATO. And the same thing is uh, Putin doesn't want uh, Ukraine joining NATO uh, as Poland and Bulgaria and Romania and all the other countries in Eastern Europe um, have. And um, so I think it's a, well, I I don't know what's going to happen with it. Okay. Do you, any predictions on how you think it might play out? Like, is if it's a power play on Russia's side, they'd be hard pressed to stand down in the face of Western influence, right? Like, if Biden goes like stand down or else, and Russia goes like, okay, fine, we're going to stand down, then they, no, I don't think there's an embarrassment because he's been saying all along that they have no intention of invading. Okay. So I think that he he could be making a gesture that'll make the West seem hyper panicked about it, and that uh, hey, there was these were just military war games like we okay. uh, said all along. So if I was to bet on it, I would bet ninety percent that it would not there would not be an invasion. Okay, and then every you know this just gets dropped from the news cycle in a, in a week or two. And everything just goes back to who World War Three, you know, avoided. You know, well, I think from Biden's position, he wants it in in the media because uh, it it makes him more popular. And right now, his ratings are really low. Yeah. So, any he's probably thinking anything I do is better than nothing. So, if Russia, if there's exactly. no invasion, Biden can take credit almost for his posture. Well, as, as as long as it's in the media, then it, it okay. will make him more popular. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, we invasion or no invasion, he's uh, ahead by having attention focused on that instead of inflation at home. Oh yeah, don't you know we're we're at the end of the show. I don't even want to get started on the whole inflation thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's here. It's it's there. It's it's here. It's unavoidable. Um, I don't know what you know. Beyond that, good luck. Good luck, and get your government handouts where you can. And I'm sure there's a lot of people very excited right now because, you know, taxes are filed and refunds are coming in. And, oh, just in time, you know, to get my refund check because, man, things are getting expensive. Um, but how long does that last? Uh, th- Thomas, Thomas Macy said that we get uh, potash, the fertilizer, from, from Russia. And if we put sanctions on them and stop trade with Russia, then, uh, well, we're going to have higher food prices, of course, because you know, we need a fertilizer. Yeah. Well, you're going to have higher food prices anyway. Like that's, again, part of the inflation. 
That's well, less less yeah. goods leads to higher prices. Yep. And, no, I get it. And so, yeah. it's it's going to be yeah. a double whammy on food prices. I guess is what I'm saying. You're going to get less supply and and you know worthless currency or significantly sure. worthless currency. Um, yeah. So so good luck. Do do what you can. Save where you can or or whatever. But it's times are looking rough. Up ahead. This is the. This is, well, is this the the soft men create hard times part of it? Are we in the hard times yet? It's coming. Um, I I really don't know. Yeah. I think it will be hard for a lot of people. Um, people that are prepared, it might even be better. Okay, because that's how wealth wealth transfer works. You know, the people that are getting the wealth uh, do better. Yeah. Well, I, and I've I've shared that information. Like I don't I don't have the solution. Um, but what I've suggested here and elsewhere in the past is no matter what the situation, right, someone is getting rich off of it and that might as well be you. So figure out what they're doing to get rich and then do that, you know, kind of a thing. But if it's like join the government and start taking bribes, well then, you know, you know, check your morals at the door or, you know, check in on that before, before you start doing it, but someone's going to get rich. It's one way or the other, and it might as well be you. And I'll leave it at that. Final thoughts? Good. Sounds good. All right. That'll do it for us then. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha. Ha, 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 ha.